want to kind of give you the picture of where we are. This series is called uh, The Rooted Life, and we're, we're talking about finding depth in a shallow world. And um, we're do- last week we did uh, the message called Establishing Our Roots, and we talked about how our roots need to go down deep in not just our spiritual life, but in all of our lives, like in every area of our lives. And then this week, we're going to talk about being presence-filled and what that means, being rooted in the presence of God. Today, I'm going to talk about that. The next week, we're going to talk about relationally formed. We're going to talk about how important it is to be rooted in relationship with God and with people. And then week four, we're going to talk about being mission-focused, and that's, of course, Global Church Weekend. Just to be clear, Saturday, we're doing a special thing with Global Church Weekend. You need to sign up for it. You can check it out on the website, but it's uh, like 9 to 2 or something like that, and it's really going to be great. And then we'll carry that on uh, Sunday as well. And then week 5, we're going to talk about giving God our first and best. And so uh, in the middle of all this, we're kind of ramping up the year. Last year, we started a practice of just going slower, not trying to rush around and push ourselves to do a bunch of things at the beginning of the year. Um, A couple years ago, it was our practice to participate in something called 21 Days of Prayer. I love it. It's so good. We did that typically twice a year. Last year, we experimented with something, which is 40 days of prayer and consecration leading up to Easter. Okay, we're going to do that again this year. And it's all part of kind of just trying to get ourselves in a position to receive from God uh, without uh, going through what I think is the first of the year stress, trying to recover from the holidays. And, and I, think, I think one of the most important things I'm trying to figure out is how do we live life slowed down and deep? How do, we, how do we find depth in our relationship with God and relationship with each other? How do, we, how do we slow down enough to find ourselves growing a little bit at a time and not trying to make stuff happen too fast? And so I think you have to slow down. And so we're, we're participating with the church calendar, the liturgical church calendar, the time-honored tradition of the Church of Jesus Christ over the last uh, several hundred and uh, maybe a thousand years, even further than that, this, <clears throat> this church calendar that tells the story. All the church calendar was ever designed to do is tell the story of Jesus. And that's why the beginning of the calendar is Advent, and Advent is Jesus coming into the world. That's the beginning of this beautiful, amazing story. And then we come into this season here. Uh, Typically, it has been called Lent. We're calling it a, a season of prayer and consecration. And it is a time to look at your life and evaluate your life. I know we do that in January, but here's what I don't like. I don't like trying to do that for a few couple of Sundays in January. And by February 14th, (laughs) Valentine's Day, you're not going to the gym. You're not reading your Bible every day. You're just consumed because you tried to do it too fast, right? So we're taking six weeks and we're going to jump into a next series. Everybody say the next series. The next series. We're going to do The Rooted Life, and then we're going to do a series called The Life You've Always Wanted, and it's going to be a, a bit about letting go of the stuff that's in your past and dealing with a lot of things um, that have haunted you in your life, and we're going to, 
We're gonna talk about freedom. We're gonna talk about what God wants for you and me and, and how to walk in and live into that um, and what his desire is. So, so to do that, we're trying to, we're trying to make sure. So there, I gave you the big picture. And then I want you to, so we're gonna take six weeks to try to get everybody who is willing to be in a small group. We're not gonna do a group Sunday like we've done it in the past, but I will say for all you group leaders, most of you know this that are already in existence, you, we're, gonna, we're gonna start meeting not this week, but the week after the 21st. When is it? When are we meeting as, as groups? Yeah, so that's after next Sunday, then we're, then we're, then we're launching in. But this, but, so you can meet, but we're gonna keep we're going to keep trying to form groups all the way to February 14. How long are we going to try to form groups? All the way to February 14, because that's the start of the new series. I want everybody in on the new series. We're going to talk about it during the week. We're going to share with each other. We're going to try to form. And when I talk about being in a small group, I'm not just talking about going to some person's group that you found on uh, our website, even though that is possible. It's just not very effective or efficient. What I'm talking about is you thinking about who you have in your life or who God has opened your life up to or who has opened up to you and form an intentional relationship about following Jesus in a small group of people. And that means just your friends or your social connections or people that it seems like I've always wanted to get to know them. I'm going to invite them to a group. I'm, I'm, go, I'm just going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to do something that is, um, that is not relational. That's more programmed. I'm trying to get away from programming and I'm trying to get closer to relationship and the slow and steady movement that God wants to have in people's relationships as he forms us into the image of Christ. Is everybody still following me? And so, and so um, next Sunday, we're going to talk about being relationally formed. And we're also going to have a group leader kickoff. All right. So if you are thinking about, I wonder if I could lead a group. I want you to come and check it out. We're do it right. We're we're gonna have this group leader kickoff right after the second service, and we'll have lunch together right about one o'clock. And I'll I'm gonna share about how to lead a group, and we're just gonna talk about how to form a group among the friends you already have. Not trying to go get people you don't know. Not trying to just advertise and get people to, in a consumer-based mindset, check out your group and see if it's what they like or not. That's not who we are. That's not who God's people are. We're not just consuming things. We're actually engaging in what God is doing with one another. And we have to learn how to do that in a deeper, everybody say deeper, in a deeper way. And so um, we talked a little bit about this last week, but, <clears throat> but I, wanted to, I wanted to clear it up for you and help you see what's on the horizon. I want you to check out the group leader kickoff luncheon next week, but you need to RSVP for it. You need to register for it so we can have food for you. But don't hesitate. If you feel that stirring, if you feel like, oh, I, I, you know, I if you're thinking, I don't have time for any of that, that is the Lord's signal that he wants you to come check it out. 
the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. So I think that's the, that's the most difficult thing that we do is carve out time for this kind of thing. But I think it's so important. And the reason I think it's so important because we're rooting ourselves in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. And I want to just begin with that today. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your truth. We thank you that we're here today, that we're together today, and that we're hearing your voice. Would you just make your voice loud and clear? We receive you now, and we want to obey you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts 2, 42 through 47 says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each, of, each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved." Listen, we want our lives to be fruitful, meaningful, and rooted. And that means there has to be something going on underneath the surface, hidden. Something that has to do with daily discipline and consistency. There's roots in our lives that grow down, and our spiritual life is so significant in regard to this. But somehow we find it really hard to be rooted, to find roots in our culture. In fact, the truth is everything is so immediate, so instantaneous, and nothing feels permanent. It all feels transient, and I think we have to constantly push against that to root ourselves down. In the 21st century that we live in, it feels so shallow. So many things feel like they're lacking depth, and you may feel that in your own heart. From politics to entertainment, our jobs, our relationships, our families, even church can kind of feel shallow. I'm really challenged by this idea of what influences us in our culture. Because I'm convinced there are three filters that we're all looking through that we've got to dismantle somehow. What are those filters, Pastor Ross? Well, I'm so glad you asked. The first is we, everything is politicized. Everything, politics touches everything now and it taints it and it poisons it. You can't even have conversations around the dinner table anymore. We don't have civil conversations about anything significant regarding po politics touches everything. So everything is politicized. Everything is sexualized. You can't, like, like friendships and all this stuff, everything, sexual overtones are everywhere in our media and in our culture and, and in our language and all of it is just this filter we're constantly looking through and then everything is intellectualized. It's all about what I can come up with or, you know, everything that you're feeling and thinking is just a bunch of um, synapses functioning in your brain and that's why you feel the way you do but it's all just intellectual hocus pocus going on in your head. It, it denies that there's something deep and rooted and spiritual about life. And I think we have to break through this. So how do you dismantle these things? You've got to participate 
in a community that believes there's something more, something greater, something more powerful. And, it, and what I think Acts chapter 2 verse 42 says is you've got to devote yourselves. Everybody say devoted. You've got to, you can't be devoted just to politics. You can participate in politics, but that can't be the thing that runs your life. You have to be devoted to something. And what is that going to be? It's devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the scripture, right? What Jesus taught. You've got to be devoted to fellowship with people who are trying to follow Jesus. You have to be devoted to breaking bread together. What that means is not just about food, although I love food. Do you love food? Any food lovers in the house? Foodies everywhere, right? Austin's the right place to live. If you're a foodie, it's not just about the food. It's about the communion. It's about the connection in the routines. Everybody say routines. It's in the routines of life that we are formed. If you just try to follow Jesus by participating in this service for one hour a week and you never interact with anybody else or any of these other things, you're not going to make it spiritually. You're certainly not going to be rooted. You'll be shallow. So we got to do these things and prayer. <laughs> the apostles teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer together. And then you can invite other people into that pattern once it's established in your life. You can invite people outside the circle of your own, the people that you know who follow Jesus and love him. That's what Jesus did. Jesus ate with all kinds of people. He, he, he integrated his world. But he did these four things over and over and over again. Jesus was always part of a small group where they talked about the kingdom. He was always praying and often alone to himself. He devoted himself to what his father told him to do. And he, and he was committed. I don't know if you realize this. So many times in the scripture, Jesus is eating. That's where all the ministry happens. This is all about food. So listen, Jesus loved food. If you love food, you're in good company. He wants you to love it. He just wants you to eat it. You're, hey, here's, here's the deal. Here's all I'm saying. You're going to eat anyway. Stop eating by yourself. You're going to eat anyway. Stop eating by yourself and eat with some people who will encourage you. Or let, let me put it another way. Eat with some people that you can encourage. Pastor John Tyson wrote a modern-day paraphrase of this passage. And it's really convicting. I read it last week. I'm going to read it for those of you who don't remember anything I said last week or if you weren't here. It's a paraphrase of this Acts 2 passage and it's the American gospel, he calls it. The American gospel, chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. He says, they studied the apostles' teaching when they had time. They went to fellowship when they could fit it in. They prayed when they needed something and got coffee with each other every now and then. They were content without and had low expectations for signs and wonders in their midst. Some of the believers got together and talked about generosity, but they all kept their possessions for themselves. Two out of five Sundays, they came to corporate gatherings. <laughs> they, came, they didn't even invite people into their homes and rarely revealed their hearts. They were largely irrelevant to society, and occasionally someone got saved. When I first read that, I was so cut to the heart but I think, I think we have to take seriously 
the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2. That's what this is. The Holy Spirit comes on all these people. They birth the church. Jesus predicted it. He told them to wait there until the gift that I've promised. And the gift that he promised was the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit started doing a work in people's lives. And what I want to convince you to think about today is how much you cultivate the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. What I want you to think about today is how much you cultivate the presence of God in your life. I want you to see, I want to, I want to remind you of the impact of Acts 2.42. The impact of Acts 2.42 of, of devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Verse 43 to 47 is this. Put that list up there, Alejandro. The deep sense of awe came over all of them. Worship and reverence for God's presence. The impact was signs and wonders. Whoops, no, you're, 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 on, the wrong, you're on the wrong one. It's the next one. The impact of Acts 2.42. Can you help me with that? It's the next slide. Nope. The next slide. There it is. <laughs> Here it is. A deep sense of awe, worship and reverence for God's presence signs and wonders miracles and healing started happening generosity and joy everyone's needs were taken care of goodwill and salvation started following people people started following Jesus I I long for this don't you I long for a deep sense of awe that could come over us this awe this word awe it means fear actually in its root form and it's it's about the fear of the Lord or a reverence for the Lord and what he's doing, what he's doing in you and what he's doing in others. And you're, you're thinking about this, this sense of awe about what God is doing, a deep awareness of God's presence. Notice the word deep, finding depth in a shallow world is what we're talking about. Remember this from last week? This is, um, this is the taproot analogy, just, just, just to look at it, that, that graphic up there. Do you see it? There it is. See the taproot always drilling down deeper, always going further to get the nutrients, the moisture, the water that is needed versus a fibrous root. So many of us end up being fibrous roots here in our culture. Fibrous roots just as little tiny things that reach out, not down. They reach out to get any nourishment they can from anything around them. And they end up being weak and not rooted. If you've made some New Year's resolutions, that's awesome. Come back and tell me how you're doing on Valentine's Day. Because the secret here has to do with consistency. Everybody say consistency. Consistency. I want you to think about God's desire for you and design for you. He wants to be with you. He wants you to be with him. Ever since the Garden of Eden, what did God do with Adam and Eve? He walked with them in that garden. He provided everything that they ever needed. Ever since the Garden of Eden, God has desired to be with his people. With people. Not just his people, but all people. So, Check out the list of these things. I just want to go through this a second. Put up Garden of Eden. The first place was the Garden of Eden where God walked with humans. He designed it as a 
overlapping place of heaven and earth. Heaven and earth overlapping in the Garden of Eden. After the fall, when they chose to embrace knowledge as a way to life rather than relationship with God as a way to life, once Adam and Eve chose knowledge as the way to live, their own knowledge and what they could get, then the Garden of Eden had to be closed down. But it was this place where heaven touched earth, where earth and heaven collided. Can I remind you that Jesus came to bring heaven to earth? That's why he came. So then we, go, we jump forward to the tent and the temple. This is God's design to create a space that went with people wherever they, wherever they were going to travel or wherever they were going. That's how the tent was designed. They'd pick it up. It was very much like one chapel in the early days. It's set up and tear down church. I loved, I loved it when we used to say that we turn secular spaces into sacred places. I still believe that. And I want us to be those kind of people, but they ended up, Solomon ended up building a temple and there's, there's this, this gathering place, this meeting place of the presence of God. And then, of course, the prophets and all of the scriptures point to Jesus who came and what does the scripture say? The virgin will conceive and you'll call his name Jesus, Emmanuel, God, what is it? Does anybody know? God with us. God with us. You guys, God wants to be with you. And then here in Acts 2 now, God's iteration. Each of these were an iteration of God being with people, cleaning up the mess of humanity. Are you guys tracking with me still? He's, tr he's trying to clean up humanity. He's trying to work together with humans. He's trying to integrate himself into people. And there's some people that are responsive and a bunch of people who are not. And it's very difficult. So he sends Jesus to change something. He sends Jesus to take your place so that there would no longer be a barrier. Jesus came so that sin would no longer separate Doing your own thing would no longer be the last decision. But repentance and love and healing and mercy could come with the kingdom of God. And then Jesus left and said, somebody better is coming. I don't have time to read all the scriptures, but somebody better is coming. Everybody say better. The Holy Spirit is the best thing to ever happen to you and me. Because he lives within us. The Holy Spirit is living within us. That's what 1 Corinthians 6.19 says. Do you not know that your bodies, Paul says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies, with your intellect, with your emotions, with your heart, with your relationships, with everything that you do, with your work, everything that goes on in this body honor him. He's the filter that you have to see everything else through. If you're going to be involved in politics, your driving force is honoring God. If you're going to be involved in a sexual relationship, your first thing is honoring God, not getting all the sex you want. If you're, if you're going to be intellectual and you're going to think deeply about things, which I highly recommend, I don't want you to check your brain at the door of this church. 
but you can't use it as the, the, the most important filter you have. The reason to study is to understand what God is doing and has been doing in the world and how he made it. And that requires faith for sure. It requires faith. But here's the powerful thing. We are now the carriers of God's presence. Come on, read that with me. Say it out loud. We are now the carriers of God's presence. <laughs> the miracle of the good news of Jesus lives inside of you. Jesus lives in us. How does he live in us? Little tiny six ounce, eight ounce, eight pound, six ounce, tiny baby Jesus. No, he doesn't live in us. Oh, I got a little pet Jesus. No. <laughs> Jesus is not your pet. He's not your bro. He's not your buddy. He did call you his friend. Called his disciples his friend. He wants you to be with him. You can read John 17. It's all about him praying for his disciples, wanting them to be with him. How does Jesus live in you? He lives in you by the Holy Spirit. Do you understand this? He lives, his, the spirit that indwelt Jesus while he was here on the planet and the spirit that raised him from the dead, the Bible says, lives in you. So how much are you cultivating that presence? That's really the question. How much are you cultivating the presence of God? In other words, how do we make sure how do we make sure that we are cultivating this presence in him, from him and with him every single day? Well, I want you to read this little passage and I want you to remember it this week. Mark 1, 35 says, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. I love this scripture. It's in Mark chapter one and Mark records several times where Jesus withdrew to lonely places. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus goes to great lengths in Matthew chapter six to identify how you should interact with God. He says, when you give your gifts to the poor, don't do it to be seen by others, do it to be seen by me, by our heavenly father, he says. Because whatever you do in secret, he'll reward you. See, rootedness happens in secrecy. It happens under the surface. The fruitfulness is what we're all after, right? All the good stuff. That's all above, above the surface. We, that's what we want, but we don't realize that the way to get that, the way to get healthy, fruitful, meaningful uh, experiences and, and, and um, all kinds of engagement with other people and with God is to do things that are below the surface. So I want to give you three, three things that I think you, we all have to do. If I want you to leave here today, the number one thing that you can do to cultivate an awareness of God, a cultivate an awareness of the spirit that lives within you, is meet with him every day. Meet with him every day. Listen, I know you're busy. I know you're busy. I know you got a lot to do. I know you got a lot clattering around in here in your head. But the one thing, the, the top thing, I, I think there's other things. I think there's many things. You can get inspired by beauty, creation, you know, art, uh, all kinds of experiences 
in our world, you can experience God for sure. You can be suddenly aware of his presence. You can come to worship on a Sunday morning. All those things are good and they're part of it. But the number one thing you can do is you spend time with God every day in the morning or at night or better yet all through the day. We'll get to that in a second. So I want to give you, how do you cultivate this awareness, all right? Here's what Jesus did. You can write them down. He had a certain time. A lot of times it was in the morning. A lot of times it was late at night because he was busy every day. Oh, that sounds a lot like you. Jesus got up early in the morning. He stayed up late at night, sometimes all night. You know what, you, you know what we really need around here? We need another all-night prayer meeting. <laughs> Three of you. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. You have to have, we have to have a dedicated time to meet with God. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know. You have, to have a, you have to plan it. It's been said that the way you know what you prioritize, there's two things that, where you know what your priorities are. And one of them is your calendar and the other is your checkbook. Uh, nobody has a checkbook anymore. Your bank account, your debit card. That's how you know what is important to you and me. And so there is, here's, here's the thing. I know, I, I know this is hard to establish. And you don't have to like fill it up with words. Sometimes you can just sit there. Sit there for five or 10 minutes. Read the daily Bible reading. We're gonna talk about that in just a second. And you just, you either listen to it or you read it and you just, you don't, you don't let your phone interrupt you. Start with five or 10 minutes. You're just quiet. You're just still before God. You're essentially saying, God, take my day. Have, have, have my day. Have my heart. Forgive me for yesterday. <laughs> Some of you might know who Satchel Paige is. He was an amazing baseball player. And he was in an interview. He said, how do you do what you do? He says, sometimes I sits and I thinks. And sometimes I just sits. Sometimes you need to just sit and think. The second thing you need to do is you need to define a certain place. I have a place where I do the daily Bible reading most days on my couch right next to a lamp. And sometimes I will take a candle and light the candle. I'll have my coffee with my brand new heated mug. And then I typically will play music. And I have some beautiful instrumental pieces. So good. It's amazing. What I've found is that the more I routinely do the same thing, coffee, place, Bible reading, music. As soon as the music starts, the instrumental music, I can share some of it with you this week. Somehow, it pulls me into a place that I'm used to, that I'm aware of. 
And of course, the goal is that I'll be aware of it, not only in those five or 10 minutes or 30 minutes, which it typically has grown to about 30 minutes of Bible reading and then prayer. There's something really powerful about that environment that brings me back to it. I know listening to the daily Bible reading on your way to work is a a thing that's nice, and it does feel good to get, get that check mark on your daily Bible reading app. But it's not the same as creating an environment where God's gonna speak to you. You gotta create a place. Your prayer place needs to be an undistracted environment, a defining space where you and the Holy Spirit are talking, where Jesus is speaking by his spirit. It snaps you into that mindset. I love Mark 6, 30 through 31. It says, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Ah, Jesus wants you to get rest. He just wants to want you to get it by watching Netflix. He doesn't want you to veg out to get rest. He doesn't want you to just distract yourself so you can rest. He wants you to come for a real rest to change your mindset. And then you need a certain plan. Everybody say plan. Go into your prayer time with a plan. Now here's the thing. If the plan changes because your daughter had a flat tire that you had to fix and you couldn't have your quiet time, which happened to be this week, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. Is it? No, but Jesus isn't keeping score. He doesn't care about the score. Here's what you have with Jesus. You have today. You can't go back and fix your past. He, he can wipe it away so it doesn't hurt you and torment you. He, he does that. But you can't go back and fix it. You can't move ahead. You can't rely in next week on something you did today in church it's going to all leak out of you you have have today that's all you have start today that's why this is the way you read the daily Bible reading You you don't just read the daily Bible reading to catch up and show people all your check marks no if you miss yesterday you don't have to go back if you don't if you miss yesterday God's not like well you really need to go back and you need to finish no He's like, be with me today, son. Be with me today, daughter. Just, just, just welcome me in today. No legalism, no guilt, no shame about anything that happened. He's waiting for you today. He's waiting for you. He is waiting for you every day. And all you have to do is just make a plan. Some days you'll do it, some days you won't. But as you start to develop a plan, now, I want you to join me in the, in the Bible project that we're reading. If you have another reading plan, that's fine. Put up that QR code there, Alejandro, and, and I, I, want you to, I want you to join me. I think there's room for 150 people on this plan with me where, where you can, we can talk to each other about the daily Bible reading. It's in the YouVersion app. Go ahead and put it up there. Oh, it is there. Sorry, I didn't see it back there. So, so if you want to get your phone out right now and just join me, if you don't have the YouVersion app, it'll, you'll have to do that first. Right? If you don't have the YouVersion Bible app, it'll take you there first. And then you have to find the Bible project, one story that leads to Jesus. 
So I'm just going to leave that up here the rest of the time this afternoon. Sorry, we're not going into the afternoon. We're going to end right now. I want you to get on the Bible reading plan. Let's get 150 people all talking about it. That's all. The, that's the limit. I think there's 35 right now on my plan. I would love for you to join me. Let's read the Bible together. Because the Bible is an indispensable resource for knowing God. Now, just because you read the Bible doesn't necessarily mean you know God. Oh, that's crazy, isn't it? I know a lot of seminary professors that know the Bible really well, but they don't know Jesus. It's a, it's a thing. So you got to see the Bible for what it is. It is God breathed. He breathed on the writers and then he breathes on you again the day that you read it. It comes alive to you. Not every verse but there's always something every day. You would be shocked at how many days. I'm doing the daily Bible reading. Later that day, I'm like, oh, this is what was happening in the daily Bible reading. Let's talk about this. It's amazing. You, what you're doing is cultivating an awareness that lasts throughout the day. Are you with me? Okay. We're going to worship here for a moment. Brother Lawrence, who was... He was a cook in a monastery, a cook in the kitchen of a monastery. And he wrote a book called The Practice, or the Practice of the Presence of God. And it was, it was a revelation to him. Here's all these holy guys in the monastery, you know, being silent, fasting, doing all these things, trying to be holy. He realized that God wanted to talk to him while he was cutting carrots. He realized, he had a revelation from God that the cook in the kitchen can know the presence of God no matter what you're doing every day. All through the day. And the reason for having a set time is so you develop a daily discipline. But it starts your day with an awareness. It ends your day with an awareness. And But the goal is not just the legalism of, of, of this time, of this plan, of this place. No, the thing we're after, what God is interested in is being with you every day at work in your decisions in your with your kids what's happening in your friends lives what's happening in your life and you're letting him speak into you about that here's how he said it he said it's a habitual secret and silent conversation with God that's what that's what Brother Lawrence called it a habitual secret and silent conversation is going on all day you're in a board meeting at work there's a secret, silent, habitual conversation going on between you and God, helping you make decisions. Now, if you're still working on this, keep going. You've got to download the YouVersion app if you don't have it, and then it'll lead you to the plan that I'm on because that's the link goes right to that plan. Okay? So you can keep working on it here. We're going to sing. We're going to worship God. We're going to just have a moment where we just cultivate awareness. I want you to just stay seated for a moment. I want you to put your hands up, palms up toward heaven, just maybe on your lap. Unless you're working on the QR code, feel free. Keep going. I'm okay. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and heal. Come and strengthen. Come and redirect. 
Come with your peace. Come with your grace. Speak to our hearts. Reveal Jesus. Reveal the love of God. Drive away shame. Drive away legalism. Push aside all the distractions. Thank you, Lord, that you want us to enjoy this life. There's so many good things that we can enjoy here in our city. But you want to do it with us. <laughs> you want to be with us. And what we're telling you today is we want to be with you. <laughs>